Now is the only moment, the moment when I say welcome back. This is Discussing Trek. I'm Kyle Jones, and allow me to say thank you for choosing to spend some of your time with us discussing Trek. So I want to say welcome back to everyone, and I want to start this week with our returning co-host that's been away for a while, but welcome back, Jeremy Barrow. Jeremy, how are you? I'm doing well, and thank you for that warmest of welcomes. You're welcome, sir. I am like recording, I guess, from the Amazon somewhere, not shopping on Amazon or, or recording. I don't know, but welcome back. Nonetheless, that joke just kind of fell sh- short, but that's my jokes and they usually fall short. But you know what doesn't fall short? Jonathan Short. Jonathan, how are you? <laughs> See what you did there, sir. I'm good, man. I'm good. I am uh, out here on the outer edges of our galaxy, uh, kind of meeting with 10C here. So we'll see how it goes. See if I can ever make it back. Mm, well, glad you are remoting your voice in and welcome back as always. But also welcome back to our esteemed Admiral Captain, whatever we want to call him, Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you? I'm doing good. Glad to be back. As always, thanks to each and every one of you listening for joining us and subscribing. And of course, what we do here in this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek in somewhat excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I want to say also thank you to you. I have had such a great time. This has been so much fun being your stand-in while we're doubling up during the time we've got Picard and Discovery going on in the same week. So thank you to you, because I have had a ball doing this. No, thank you for helming the USS Rutabaga and getting us <laughs> on this safe, safe voyage through the card. I really appreciate it, man. You are quite welcome. And luckily, I don't eat rutabagas, so <laughs> the ship survived, right? <laughs> Indeed. So before we go on, I do want to give a quick shout out to a friend of mine, David S. Deer. He is the creator of a Ninth World Journal, and he also plays Dr. Theo Brome on Oz 9. I know he listens to us. He's a big Trek fan, and he listens to Discussing Trek. So, David, if you are listening now, my hat's off to you. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being such a nice guy. If, if we only could have a voice as rich as Mr. Deers, we would all be doing well. Indeed. Indeed. Well, gentlemen, I want to get right into it because I know tonight we are also recording our review of the finale of Discovery Season 4. So I want to say for everyone listening, if you have not seen Assimilation, this is the Season 2, Episode 3 episode of Star Trek Picard. If you've not seen it, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers? What spoilers? And I killed Sparky, too. (laughs) Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review Assimilation. This is the third episode of the second series of Picard, first premiering on streaming platforms on the 17th of March, 2022. Clarence, the beats of the episode, I want to start with you. What say ye? Oh, man, I was a little confounded. I didn't really know what to write here. But alas, I got something. I hope it's, it's good enough to 
even come close to the great beats we get from Mr. Jones. So here we go. This was not a Tuvix, not a phase variance, duplication, mirror you, or a rascal crew. But falling from 30 feet in the air, well, that's something new. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> nice, sir. Very nice. So, Jonathan, summary view, just a summary of the episode. What did you think? Like, I hate to keep sounding like a broken record, but it was an amazing show. Overall, great. I, I, the action was where I needed it to be. The story was exactly what I needed it to be. It was, I mean, the acting, of course, we know will be top notch always. Uh, and it was just, I got classic trick feels from it the entire time. And like I've said on many other great episodes, it was like a movie I didn't want to end. Nice. Jeremy, what say you? Well, I kind of wish I'd been here for the previous two installments because last season I gave Picard pretty, pretty low thoughts and I was not thoroughly unimpressed. But I'm telling you, I am digging this season so far. Nice. I am loving it. Very good. Very good. Clarence, what say you? Oh, man, uh, this episode was a bit of a departure from the the action that we've been getting from the lat from the first two episodes. But I think in there, there are some really good nuggets of just some actors sitting in each other's presence and just acting their butt off. There are parts of the episode that I really didn't enjoy. We'll get into it. But overall, I think it was a pretty good episode to kind of push us along the story. Nice. So for me, I best can give a summary by saying this. I saw the end credits and was sitting there going, whoa, aren't I only about halfway through it? So I was enjoying it so much that when it went off, I thought that I had literally only watched maybe 15 or 20. I was that enthralled with it. Oh, wow. Interesting. Interesting, yeah, really. sir. I, I'm serious. I was sitting there going, wait, what happened here? And did I miss something? Because we're at the end credits. And that, I, I mean, I loved it. Totally loved it. It was definitely one of those situations. I'm like, don't do it. Oh, it's the end of the episode. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question and I want to point this one first to you, Clarence. We had, I want to call it a cliffhanger, but it really wasn't. And I think somebody made reference last week to the cliffhanger because we knew that it wasn't really a cliff timer because you know that they're not going to be arrested because they got to go back into the past. What did you think of how this episode began and the resolution of said cliffhanger? I mean, it, it goes back to old school TV. You know, we talk about this of Doctor Who of how they used to do some rather excellent cliffhangers on a lot of their episodes by the end. And I feel like this is no different. We had the cliffhanger that kind of left us in suspense for a week. But a few minutes after getting back into it, we resolved that and we're moving along with the rest of the story. So as far as that goes, I I like the the part of it that keeps you wanting for a little bit more. But by the same token, they didn't draw it out. OK, so what about you guys? Did you have any thoughts on how they resolved this cliffhanger? I had no issues with it at all. As you mentioned up top, it's I mean, we knew they were not they would not be arrested. Although I, I kind of wanted a more badass fight scene to ensue to solve it, but I mean they 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 ended up shooting my fight scene buddy, so I guess they kind of squashed that. But I liked it; it was good. Jeremy, what about you? What did you think? 
Oh, I enjoy it. You know, if I'd watched the, these episodes back to back, I wouldn't even thought of as a cliffhanger. It just would have just felt like it just kept on going. So, I mean, I enjoyed it. So, Elnor dies. You know, we've given our spoiler warning, so, you know, we can say it. Elnor dies. What were your thoughts? It can't be. They're going to have to bring him back somehow because he just they, they can't kill my Elnor. He's one of my favorite characters. Agreed, sir. Agreed. Didn't we mention last last week, though, I think we kind of expected someone to die? True. And I think if you have to choose one person, that would be the right person to do so. And if I'm not mistaken, that's kind of what we came to the consensus of who it yeah. would be if someone were to die. Yeah. But by the same token, they're, they're making his character so much better this season. I will say I have enjoyed him a lot more this season. You know, the few episodes that we've had him. But of course, we're in a time loop thing here. So he's probably not dead. Okay, mm. so let me ask this, and I think we've just answered this, but I'm going to ask it for the sake of the audience. Motivation for the characters or a necessary plot device or both? I, I would say both. It definitely puts Picard in what I love and oftentimes in Star Trek is to have these impossible decisions. And it definitely puts Picard in that position of saying, Okay, do we save the Borg Queen who we need in order to complete this mission to save all of time? Or do we let, you know, someone who we know is a dear, dear friend to him from from last season die? And he kind of makes the calculation very quick. And I really love that about this episode, by the way. He just, without any hesitation, is ready to make that decision. He's back in that captain mode, you know. Okay, I love Elnor, but... There's a bigger thing here than the need of the many that we have to accomplish here. And see, I will go another direction with it for Elnor. He doesn't pass as human. You know what I'm saying? The the ears, the the the, the pointed, uh, you know, with his eyebrows, totally would look more alien. So it would be harder for him unless you wanted to keep him on the ship. And if so, what would he be doing? So I think his death was a necessity in that aspect, as well as motivation for the characters. Now, I do recall a certain Tuvok wearing a do-rag. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's kind of where I was going to go with it, to push back on it. I mean, we've done this more than once. I mean, Tuvok for sure, the do-rag, that was pretty cool. And then you have a... Spock as well. You know, Spock with a headband. Spock, yeah. And then on the Enterprise, we had a few more than one scene when T'Pol had to go to Earth. And it was the one they kind of did the historical throwback episode where T'Pol's great-great-grandmother crashed on the planet with two fellow comrades. And they had to live there for years. So they all had to kind of blend in. So it's been done. It wouldn't have been hard to do. Yeah. But I do. I, I think it was more... On, I think the reason for it was for our benefit. Like, and we've mentioned this a few times about killing a character off. Like, they they're looking to elicit an emotional response from the audience, mm-hmm. and they had to find someone that was just important enough to kind of kind of pull at the heartstrings, but not quite as important. Like, we we can get along without him if we had to. So we kind of hoping maybe he'll come back, but if he doesn't, you know, it won't be the end of the world. We'll hate it. I think that was more the reason why they did it. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, you know, since you brought it up, I'm going to say that the 
two-part episode of Voyager was called Future's End, and it was the Voyager crew traveling back to L.A. in 1996, and it was the same year that that episode was broadcast. So, um, yes, and they were in the 90s attire and whatever. I think the motivation goes more than the aesthetic, but I still say, you know, my thought is that it was a little bit of both. Yeah. That said, Jonathan, I want to ask you about Rafi's response to Elnor's death, and specifically, what did you think of Rafi's rebuke of Q and Picard's relationship? Mm. So the answer to your first part about it, <laughs> again, great acting on her part. Great, great acting. I loved it. But as far as the storyline, like I just expect it. And really just wanted someone to like grab her, just like slap her and say, come on, let's pull it together and focus. Like she just needed a good slap. <laughs> uh, but I, well, forgive, forgive me. What was the second part of the question? The second part was, what do you think with that anger that you're just talking about, her rebuke of the Q Picard relationship, basically when she tears into Picard? I think it was way past due that someone acknowledged that. Yes. And we we kind of mentioned this on the last episode. You know, it's just Picard has always just kind of played along with Q because he figured that was just the best way to get out of it. And it's only been one captain that has actually like stood up and said, screw you, man. We're not going along. And that was Cisco. So uh, I, I, I think that was very well placed and very well needed. And I think Picard needed to hear that. And I think. That statement is going to weigh heavily on Picard and the way he handles Q forward. Mm. Mm. Jeremy, do you agree or do you disagree? No, I agree. Um, like Jonathan said, it was something that needed to be said. And it needed to be said in such a way that he understands the implications of what of this game that he is playing. I mean, just saying it's one thing, but that emotion was needed to kind of drive that point home. And she, she did a great job with the scene. She did a yeah. great job. And thinking back, I mean, after she made this statement, I just kind of had a quick flashback of all of the Q Picard interactions. And it's very, very true. And it's not Picard's fault. He's just kind of in the moment and handling the moment. But if there's a failing in those interactions on Picard's part, it's because he really doesn't think about anyone else that's affected. And maybe the reason being is because he knows that Q ultimately will not hurt anyone. Yeah. But it's kind of hard to foresee the outside consequences that, you know, even Q doesn't account for. And, you know, there's just little things that's forgotten that may affect people's lives. And I think just in the grand scheme of things, Picard kind of forgot that. And that's not Picard. Picard is usually the one that's thinking about other people first. So, yeah, it was a great callback. Clarence? I agree. I love the aspect here of your reputation precedes you, in a sense, where there are all these interactions and years of Q and Picard, you know, going head to head. And, of course, news of that and information about that has permeated through Starfleet. John talked about the Cisco episode when he just goes in the ring and punches him in the face. Everybody knows who Q is, and he's known as sort of like the troublemaker that pops in from time to time. I think Picard has tried to brush Q off, but it never works. And even Janeway tried to, but 
they kind of just knew that you had to play along with the game. But it's interesting to see where, you know, you have true stakes here. You have Ilnor dying and Rafi is just not having it. She's just done with it. Their relationship is interesting anyway, because even in season one, you see where JL and Rafi have gone through the trenches together. And she just knows so much about him. And she can actually, she's probably one of the few people who can actually talk to him like that. So what did you think about the queen in regards to first falling down, go boom, and then crawling about <laughs> and then taking over the ship to take him back through time? Uh, well, it's part it's necessary part of the story that we needed to push it along. I do find it was very creepy and interesting and from a visual point of view to see the queen just you know no legs i think she said one of the things she wanted was legs but <laughs> this is her crawling around the ship what a creepy thing to see on star trek and we think of some of the creepy borg things we've seen already i think that moment especially when she plugs herself into the la serena and kind of just pulls herself up by her tentacles that, that's some of the best imagery we've had of, of Borg in Trek history. I think it, it's really, really interesting and really just beautiful visual of seeing her kind of take over there. Um, I thought this is probably one of the best visual representations of how creepy the Borg can be. I mean, it, I was just kind of startled a little bit when she started crawling around and getting all tentacly. They're, this is, they, they've, they haven't done it better yet. This is the best I've seen them visually represent the Borg. I it was done very well and I I must I must agree with you guys the the crawling creepy crawling part was, <laughs> like it was borderline terrified I was like oh crap what in the world <laughs> it was it was funny but it was terrifying but I and they did a great job and I guess I guess as far as the Visuals of the Borg Queen and the animation of her. Well, I wouldn't call it animation, but just the green screen effects of it, I think was done really well. Something we haven't seen. But as far as just the Borg overall, like it's, I still have to give Voyager a tip of the hat at being the best visual of just Borg overall and like their power, their capability, their, their, the terrified nature of them. Like it, I think Voyager did that best, and I, it'll be hard to top it. Of course, we have, you know, graphics and visual design. It's a lot better now, but yeah, it, it, it still was a terrifying scene. So speaking of graphics and visual design, when they're going back through time, did any of you pick up on maybe potential nods or throwbacks or whatever you want to call it when they started going through time? Any callbacks that you guys might have picked up on? Other than the ones they pointed out from saying we're doing this um, slingshot maneuver that's from TOS in the past. They did have this visual zoom in on Picard's face and other crew members faces that were was very similar to when Discovery went to the future. Yeah. So I, I thought oh. that was semi similar to how they kind of zoomed in on the face and kind of bled it out. And then we just woke up there. <laughs> Okay, guys, did you have anything? I have two things, but I was curious if you guys had. I did not. I mean, I was just caught up on how well they made that look. And I mean, and enlightened me because my thoughts were I hadn't seen this done better previously. Okay. Uh, what, Jeremy, do you have anything? 
So, and this may be one of the things that you're thinking of is I was reading an article about Picard and, you know, the upcoming directors of the episodes. And because I knew who was directing this episode, it just kind of brought Back to the Future references in this time traveling sequence. So, so good for you, because the two things I had was this reminded me a little bit of Back to the Future with the increasing of the speed before they get to the point to where they go into the future. That's the vibe I got of Back to the Future. But when they focused particularly on Picard's face, I'm thinking old school Doctor Who, where we see the Doctor's face in the opening credits and the time stream. That kind of felt like a little nod to Doctor Who there. Ah, and if I may mention one other thing real quick. They mentioned that Spock is the only one able to make the calculation, so they need the Borg Queen. That kind of threw me for a loop because I'm thought, I thought, can't Seven make those calculations pretty easily? But we do have a more human Seven at this point. But for some reason, I still feel like she should have been able to make those calculations without the Borg Queen. But could she? It's funny you say that because I, at the moment, and I kind of let that thought go, I was like, you have Seven. She, she could have done that. And I... And then I just kind of let that thought go. But now that you're bringing it back to me, I can't help but think that. Yeah, that uh, that kind of bugged me, that entire scene, because I had the same thoughts. You know, Seven could make those calculations. But, I mean, as we learned in Voyager, the longer that Seven was an individual, the less her Borg functionality worked. And a lot of the reason the Queen can make those calculations so fast is because of all of the memories, thoughts, and things that she has in her mind. And I don't know if she's, I mean, I'm assuming she's still separated from the collective, but she's just recently separated. So those thoughts are still fresh, those memories and that knowledge. And I think at this point, Seven is just too far removed to do those calculations that accurately and that quickly. I'm going to take you one step further, if you don't mind. I want to take one step further and say that that is Seven and Annika's body. So I, whatever capacity she may have still had as what you just described, I take it even further. She is, she is the seven consciousness, but she is in a body that's never had any Borg connection. Very Excellent good. point. Very good. Be, because I, I'm going to predict that by the end of the season, she will have some reservation because of what she's experienced being totally human, there's going to be maybe a moment of questioning on her part that wonders, do I want to go back to what I was? Absolutely agree. Yeah, because she seems to keep, I mean, she keeps every episode, she keeps touching that spot where her ocular implant was. And, you know, at first, the very first episode, when she wakes up in the bed and she looks in the mirror, my thought was, she was like, oh, my God, it's finally gone. But in this episode, she does it again. And it's kind of like, I don't know if I can do this. And and added to that, we have the moment later with Raffi in seven where she was surprised that the guy wasn't creeped out by her. Right. And with with the kid who, you know, asked her, like, if she if she was a superhero when she first appears, normally, you know, with that ocular implant or what what have you. Kids will probably be scared running. This kid wasn't scared of her. So my next question, Jonathan, I'm so glad you were on tonight because I specifically wrote this one down for you. Los Angeles 2024. That's where they land. Does that ring 
any bells for you? Uh, specifically, no. And the reason I say that, it seems like every time we go in the past is in Los Angeles. And I get it that, you know, Starfleet headquarters were, were, was in San Francisco. Uh, but to me, it just stuck out a lot like the episode that you mentioned when the Voyager crew went back in time with Tuvok and a Durag. So let me say oh, this. John, how could you miss this one, dude? So, so yeah, let me I, say I got this. this one, Jonathan. So let me say this. And <laughs> I, 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 I am just like dying to say this. So 2024, there was a DS9 episode called Past Tense that saw Dr. Bashir, Dax, and one oh, Benjamin yeah. Sisko travel to the past for what was known as the Bell Riot. Right. They, they were in these sanctuary cities or whatever, similar to the sanctuary cities that we see two of our characters yep. in. Yeah. Only difference they were in San Francisco, other than yes. in Los, Los Angeles. Well, did we see a sanctuary city? We we well, did. That's well, we saw a sanctuary type place. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. It's it's not as it 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 looks different from what we saw on DS Nine, of course. Yeah, and that's the reason I didn't associate it because it looks like the point where our current characters are. It was it was different because I mean the Bell Riots, like the what you saw in Picard in this episode of Picard was what we actually see right now. If you go to L.A. and you go to Skid Row, there's just a place right in the middle of the city where all of the homeless people are. And they just, they can't do anything with them, so they just allow them to be there. They, that's just what they do. The DS9 episode was kind of a, more of a, like, this is what could happen if Skid Row continued. At that point, they had boarded up or walled yeah. off sections of the city and forced people into these areas. So like a District B-13 type situation. Right. Yeah. So yeah, there was a slight difference, but but I think they were just giving a modern take on that. Yeah. So let me ask this. Could something to do with the riots skewer, skewer time? And maybe those differences that you're seeing might be the start of what skewers time? Hmm. Now, that is a possibility. And if they do that, and it, it's going to take someone with <laughs> tremendous amount of trick knowledge and very a lot of intelligence and planning. But it would be so cool because we know... At the DS9 episode, what we left off of was the only mistake Cisco and Bashir made. We really didn't look at it as a mistake possible was that Bill actually died and Cisco just kind of took his place. So in the historical text, when they show Bill in a picture, it was Cisco's picture. Now, maybe Q played with that a bit. Hmm. I'm just saying that they're put that 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 hand that we see could be Cisco's that we saw in the you know in the the um, the trailer. I'm just putting it out there. Wait, what hand? There's a hand that somebody is shaking hands with in the trailer. At some point, go back and watch the trailer. Mm, I missed that. I will have to look at that. So, Clarence, I want to point this to you since we're talking about the Los Angeles and you guys mentioned, you know, this is and or Jonathan mentioned, this is what L.A. looks like today in 2022. They say I'm not sure if it was Rafi or if it was seven, but I think it was seven. One of them says, I don't understand how any society could exist 
with so many contradictions and not collapse sooner than it did. What are your thoughts? Well, I think they're playing the what Star Trek or the recent Star Treks have done, and even the past ones did it too, but but giving commentary on where we are now in our society, I think that's given subtle hints toward that. I think there's even a moment where they're on the tower when they look at the fires and they talk about make a climate comment. So I think this is them giving commentary on where we are as 2022 and where we could be going forward. That's all I think that is. But, you know, I guess you could also play it into the future where that we saw of totalitarian regime of, of the Confederation as well. So it's kind of a double meaning there, but I thought it was poignant. All right. Jeremy, any thoughts from you? None I can say and still be able to stay on this podcast. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. And that'll actually come more in discovery, believe it or not. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I, I will leave that in the undiscovered country. So the next thing I want to mention really, really quick before we talk about Rios and his storyline, where he failed was something called Tipton Brothers. And that actually refers to two comic book writers known for pinning several Star Trek-related comics, Mm. along with a comic called Assimilation Squared, which features the Borg and a crossover with the 11th Doctor from Doctor Who. And Clarence, I want to pose this to you. Maybe sometime in the future when there's not any new Trek going on, we could perhaps review this crossover comic that has the doctor and the Borg in it. I thought that might be cool. Yeah, 100, 100%. Uh, it's interesting that they make that reference as well, since this is a timey-wimey <laughs> season. Yes, so, indeed. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right. So, Jonathan, I want to ask you, just in general, Rios's story, his storyline, his subplot that he had, what were your thoughts? Uh, again, I loved it. I loved it. And it's... You know, I was worried when we started splitting off in the beam down at like kind of how this story was going to go. But it gave Rios a chance to kind of have his own show, if I say so. Like I make make sense. Uh, I loved it. I loved it. And he I mean, he still played classic Rios like you would expect him to. But what's the chances of him landing there? And then being taken to a doctor's office, you know, and <laughs> then immigration shows up like it's just yeah. it's crazy. Terrible look, terrible look. But uh, I loved it, man. And then the interaction with the kid, I think, was my favorite part with him. It just kind of shows off his acting skills. And I, I just loved it all. Clarence, what about you? What say you? Uh, this was by far my least favorite part of the episode. Oh, really? While I do think the acting was good. I felt the doctor as well as the child, uh, which was, uh, I wonder if his name being Ricardo is a throw to uh, uh, Lucien uh, Desi. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I just did not enjoy. I just not enjoy this one bit. I just felt like, of course, he had a concussion, but I felt like Rio was making one stupid decision after the other. And that's not what I expected of that character. He should just went and grabbed his combat from the little kid. we're here to save the universe dude come on snap into it yeah but he just like i I just kind of put myself in his shoes like i don't think i mean we expect him you can't expect him to know exactly how to handle like he's going down with the fear of god that he's going to change something in the timeline 
So, like, he's trying to be like it, it was just it was hilarious to me to see how reserved and how much he was trying to hold back the Rios that we know to make this work. But was and he? Uh, he wanted, I, like, I seen it in his face. Like, he wanted to, like, snatch the kid and take the cum badge <laughs> and throw him out a window. But he knew that that would probably not be, like, he just, it's just something about this whole scene. Like, he was just constantly telling himself, I cannot be the Rios that I would normally be. Now, now, now we'll add this. There was a mandate to preserve the timeline as much as possible. So it could be just him not trying not to be seen as much as possible, which I, I get that. I get that. I do feel like with Rios in this storyline, we get a nugget of something that I feel like has a very rich background that kind of got cut off when he was talking to the nurse and she was resetting his his risk. I think when he was talking about his his mother being part of the academy and being, I guess, raised there to some extent. That was very interesting. And I wanted to hear more about it. <laughs> that was it was freaking hilarious. Like they made it out to be such a touching moment. And I thought that, you know, this nurse was just going to be heads over heel with him. And like the hearing this story, she was just going to be so drawn to him. And at the end of it, it's just like, poke. okay, we're done. <laughs> yeah. Means to an end. All right. So one other thing I will mention about this before we move on that ties back into those riots that I mentioned earlier. When they were arrested, they, the police, the immigration did ask him to show his identification. It is the same identification that Cisco was asked for in Ooh. the episode Ooh. Past Tense. You know, I wondered that. I, that is cool. That is cool. So sweet. Just, just, just throwing it out there. All right, Clarence, this next one is for you. This merger with the Borg Queen. What were your thoughts about this euphoria explanation? Well, I don't know about the, the euphoria in, in particular, but it, as far as the interaction goes, I feel like it was an excellent opportunity to just sit some actors down in a room and let them just be excellent actors. I know I've talked to you before about some of the sequences, uh, especially in Doctor Who. I forget what episode, but they, they, they could have they could have went all out with this scene. They could have had us appear in an imaginary world like they did on Discovery uh, when they went to Trill. They could have had an imaginary little world they went into. and You could have seen them running around and talking to each other. And, but they didn't do that. They didn't do that. They consciously made a choice to just. Sit, sit Patrick Stewart down here, Allison Peel, not forget the, the new Bark uh, lady's name, but let's just sit these actors down here and let's let, let them act their butts off. And they can sell the scene or they can make the scene horrible. And I feel like they were just kind of ballsy to make that choice to not try to wow us with some other otherworldly thing with with the Borg Queen and, and, and Allison Peel running around. But they, they sold us on just these actors' abilities. And, and for that, I loved this interaction. Mm. Jeremy? I agree. I, th I think if we had this kind of imaginary world they went to, I think it kind of would have taken away from the whole scene and what what they were trying to convey. And I think them, those three sitting, you know, face to face and just talking to, and acting through it, it just felt much more there. Like I, I felt it more than if I just had a visual representation of it. So, you know, it, it they did a great job. A ballsy move. Oh yeah, very ballsy. Yeah, I, I I agree that the acting was great, but I 
I appreciated it for a different reason. You know, throughout Trick, when we ever have Borg encounters and we have an assimilation take place, it's never, they never have a lot of details on how that assimilation is happening. I mean, there's always a technical, you know, it's the nanoprobes going in, binding to the cells and, you know, slowly making them biomechanical. But like the emotional, mental standpoint of how that takes place, we never really got into. And, you know, Picard went through and we know after his assimilation and after his recovery from it, he had a lot of mental trouble after that. And we never really understood exactly why other than, you know, we just kind of wrote it off as the man was assimilated. Of course, he's going to be, you know, disturbed. But why? How? What during that procedure causes that? And to hear that description of what happens when you're being assimilated and how it exactly is happening in the mind that I appreciate it. And I kind of took that scene as like this is a perfect time to kind of expand on that process. Mm. Mm. I also feel like it's not over. I feel like that Dr. Girardi it's going to be some repercussions for this. Yes. I said it. Remember last <laughs> week, I said it. If I had a problem with this scene, though, and again, like I said, we never really got into a lot of how the assimilation takes place. I just had trouble understanding or wrapping my mind around how they were keeping things separate. You know what I mean? And again, like I said, this is a new territory and we're expanding on it. But we know when assimilation takes place, like there's never been a point where like I see a separation of emotional and physical. Yeah. And I think the only reason I can justify that this wasn't a real nanoprobe assimilation. This was more of a neural link. Mm -hmm. So it, it allowed it to take place more slowly than usual, because I mean, we've seen in the past, once those nanoprobes hit you, that that's a wrap. <laughs> but well, I, that's another thing. It was, I mean, the way they did it was nanoprobe. I mean, they, specifically mentioned tubule tubule however you say that word and they plugged it into her neck like if this was going to be just a mental or like a brainwave transmission it would have been like some kind of attachments to her brain i need to watch it again but i don't think it was like a normal assimilation at all so if the if the board queen is highly weakened and you know wouldn't it stand to reason that the assimilation is going to be highly weakened and take so long? It take a long, long time for it to to even really start the physical yeah. side. Yeah, Jeremy, you just hit on the missing factor there. You're, you're, in my opinion, you're spot on. I, I think all three of you have elements that are right, but but I think Jeremy, you just hit on the thing that ties everything together. Mm, yeah, agreed. So for me, I. Th for some reason thought of this euphoria because basically the Borg are doing things that would normally hurt you. So think about going to the dentist and getting the gas before they do whatever they're going to do. They're doing whatever they're doing in your mouth with drills and whatever and putting things in your mouth, just like the Borg are putting things in your head or body or whatever. But you're breathing the gas. You don't give a bleep while they're doing it because you're feeling pretty good at the moment. Yeah, and I think that's the only thing I didn't get about that euphoria statement, because from what I've seen in the past, I don't think I've ever noticed any portion of the assimilation to where it looked like the people who were getting assimilated were in a euphoric state no. or they liked it. 
<laughs> it was complete opposite. It was total pain every time you seen it. I don't. I, it, yeah, the euphoria. And I do get your point, Kyle, and it makes a lot of sense. But I don't think we've actually seen that euphoria of it. But I mean, I guess all intent and purposes, the, I mean, the Borg has to. I mean, yes, the nanoprobes can take over your body and transform your body. But how do you transform a mind? And I mean, I don't think they necessarily had the technology to do that other than have to infiltrate your emotions and what weaker emotion to control. And we've seen that from Gerardi is like, I think the most influential emotion she had that they went through was the sadness oh, and yeah. the euphoria and the, and the anger like that. That's where you get in. And I mean, you talk to a psychologist and they'll tell you that's the strongest and your most vulnerable emotions is your anger, your sadness and your happiness. Yeah, she hit them on all hit her on all ends. You mentioned the daddy issues. (laughs) She she really dug in, man. So I really I really appreciate that. Now, we'll say there was a super cheesy scene or moment when she said, I'm starting to like you. I'm like, oh, no, you ruined it. You Are you talking it? about where she said I'm impressed by you? Yeah, 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 yeah. When when the board queen said I'm I'm starting to be impressed by you or, or something to that effect, I just like oh that's too much. Oh, see, I thought it was creepy. Uh, yeah, I thought it was cool. Yeah, I like I liked it. And I thought it was it was delightfully creepy because I mean she had a point. I don't think anyone has ever impressed the board queen or surprised her at that moment. Well, the the other thing, and this goes back to the acting, and more so this goes back to the editing, I guess, more so than the acting. One thing that they did in, the, in this scene that we're talking about was when they have the, the voice of the Borg queen coming out of Gerardi and the yeah. voice of Gerardi coming out of the Borg queen. That was freaking cool. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Great choice. Great choice there. Especially the mind bark. Mine, 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 mine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who am I All talking right. to? <laughs> so, gentlemen, we are coming up on 50 minutes into our conversation. So I want to ask you really quickly, if you had to pick one scene in this episode that really stood out to you, what would that scene be and why? Jeremy, I'll start with you. Probably when Rafi asked Annika... Or seven, depending on who we're kind of dealing with here. Is she enjoying this life too much? Because that, to me, just got her wondering, is this something I want to stick with? Being unassimilated, is this the life I want to live? All right. Jonathan, what say you? Hmm. Which scene? It's hard to, just, it's hard to say, man, because the, the entire show was great to me. Uh, the scene that sticks out most to me. And I know Clarence is going to hate me, but it's just the Rio scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love those Rio scenes. Uh, I mean, even Clarence, you mentioned it. We kind of got a peek into his past. That was one good part about it. But also just kind of the comedic action type, just the whole scene. It, it was just so very well put together. And I really did appreciate it. Like I could have watched that. We could make a series of Rios in L.A., no, and we can't. Be, no, no. I would be great with no. it. <laughs> Rios in LA. Coming this fall. But before we have Rios in LA, Clarence, what it was yours? Uh, mine's actually going to go back to my beats when I said it's not two Vix or a phase variance duplication or mirror you or a rascal crew. 
which I think it was pretty cool to have the transporter just beam him in 30 feet in the air. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I've seen that before. I just cackled out loud when I saw it. So I love that scene. Love it. So for me, it would be the creep out scene with the Borg queen crawling. Anything that just makes you say, I've never seen this before is cool to me. And I think that was excellently done. So let's go to final ratings. And Jonathan, I'm going to start with you. What's your final rating on this episode? Five, 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 five stars, five marks, five thumbs up. However you want to say it, five. All right. Clarence, what say you? Mine's going to be 3.8 Borg tentacles out of five. (laughs) Ooh. Wow. Wow. All right. Jeremy. I'm, I'm still God. like trying to process <laughs> that, but uh, I did not expect that. I, I didn't think you would be a five, dude. I enjoyed it, but it, you gotta admit it's a drop off from the last two, which were fives in my, which were strong fives in my opinion. It was, it was sort of a filler episode. It was sort of a filler, oh, which, no. which is, which is fine. It was good. It was just, just wasn't a five to me. How was I the one that didn't call this a filler episode? <laughs> it's a bridge. <laughs> All right. So, Jeremy, what say you? I'm going to go with a slightly less enthusiastic five. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Mm. I, I, I'm, while I am still like in shock for Clarence's three point whatever, um, I'm going to say, which, you know, I give him that. It, it, it was not as much of energy and et cetera and so forth. I am not going to give it a five, even though I loved the episode and I was enthralled in it. I'm going to give it a 4.6. They better bring Elnor back out of five. Let me, I feel like I need to justify my 3.8 just a little bit more. I, I'm not that enthralled by being in 2024. I look at Star Trek to see the future and just to know we're going to be here a while kind of bums me out, but we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. And that, uh, the exact opposite is another reason I go with the five, because Star Trek has always been that beacon of light that we aim for. And what better way to represent that than showing us where it came from? I always appreciate those episodes because, I mean, we get so tied into Trek and the way things are and the way we hope they turn out. And we kind of forget, like, we still have a ways to go. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I I will say this, but as we close the show, I would rather see 2024 and be what Jonathan just said than to make me want to ask a question. And for my Whovian friends that might be listening, you will understand. (laughs) Have you seen Benny? And that's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Benny? Benny? Have you seen Benny? (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) But for everyone listening, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Discussing Trek. And rest assured for the remainder of Picard, I believe, Clarence will be back again. Thank you, Clarence. I appreciate it. And as always, everyone, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek Podcast. 
For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. For adventure, your traveling companions are fellow fans of Doctor Who. That's right, it's the podcast Discussing Who, exploring the worlds of Doctor Who, past, present, and future. Find out more at DiscussingWho.com. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. Benny, have you seen Benny?